One Man Revolution, Volume 4, Episode 73. Back, back again, back on a Friday night, live from the bunker and points unknown. It is the One Man Revolution podcast. I'm your host, the Revolutionary, and I'm joined by the comrade and the artist. Ah, uh, yes. Well, it has been 500 and something days uh, since the legitimate power has taken office, and uh, you know, this week. So much has happened. There you go. Yeah, I have nothing to crack on my end because uh, it's two in the morning. <laughs> Lightweight. <laughs> That's a terrible excuse to not drink. It is a terrible excuse. Well, the comrades in the bunker. Uh, the artist is with them, which is good uh, via remote. I uh, hear the uh, the thespian will be joining uh, in a little bit, which is good. Uh, man, uh, it has been a serious two weeks of interesting, very interesting stories going on. Everything from Elon getting uh, getting his head in a vice over uh, the manipulation of uh, cryptocurrency, uh, of Dogecoin, uh, the January 6th hearings going on for the past couple of weeks. Uh, and man... Uh, just everyone can't everyone all the people in congress can't stop blaming uh everybody else for the problems that they could easily solve yeah so what you drinking over there comrade uh today i got uh a little closer oh there you go there we go there it is uh bell's two hearted classic idea excellent excellent um earlier today i earlier today i had a, a left blonde a uh, Magnus Blonde, uh, a flight from the Brussels Beer Project, uh, a bunch of mussels, um, some frites with mayonnaise, uh, saw an entire natural history museum, you know. And, so you're uh, full of energy is what you're saying. You, you're... <laughs> <laughs> we had a good time. Yeah. Also it was uh, brimming. <laughs> so, so we had a, well, no, you know, you walk around and, and you get thirsty, so. You know, especially uh, currently it was like 31 degrees until very recently. Yeah, it, it, it's far as supposed to be 34. <laughs> Whenever I come here, I seem to bring the heat. A little bit of the local heat, yeah. Yeah, I do. And then uh, on Sunday, it's supposed to drop down the high. It's supposed to be like 15. So, <laughs> and then we're headed to another points unknown on Monday during a rail strike, during a uh, metro strike in this town. So that'll be fun to get from here. Uh, to our next port of call, but that's okay. Lovely. Sounds very French. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Very fun. Very fun. Very fun. Oh man! So you got a bell's two hearted uh, artist. What do you have over there? Uh, I have. Um, I had done some boiling uh, root beer last time I was in the bunker, but this time I'm doing a boiling cream soda. Oh, very good. Very and good. With cane sugar. With cane sugar. Very good. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm gonna. See if if I hit this record button on my side, if the if the comrade will see it hit on his side. Let's hope. So let's hit that. So that should be doing that part. So now we should have. So everyone should see the little right. recording recording up in the corner. 
Yeah, we got which will be good. Now, hopefully, when I drop it (laughs) and I move on and let the comrade in charge, that recording will keep going, which that's only a backup anyway. We also have the Facebook as a backup. uh, And and, uh, we'll do that. And you're also recording there on the digital reporter. And uh, so if if everything dips out when I dip out, uh, yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, So I can get it back up on Facebook at least. uh, I hope so. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> we will find out. There's All a, right, that's what she said in there, and I'm not touching it. <laughs> so I wish you both very well. Uh, it is uh, extremely. Uh, you're drinking your console, artist. <laughs> you bring your glass up. That's pretty fun. Yeah, oh, yeah. You're filming it's an entirely edible uh, space station. <laughs> Well, you all have a have a good time. It was good seeing your faces. Uh, enjoy, and I will be, I will be uh, seeing you all very soon. Safe travels, brother. Fantabulous. Bon voyage. Bon voyage. All, all that good stuff. Hmm. <laughs> so we have. Uh, oh, good. We're still recording, so that's that's good. Everything's going. Yay. Plan. Um, I would say this. The problem this week is is that of a target-rich environment. You know, where do we? <laughs> Where do we start first? Where do we even? Yeah, where do we even uh, begin? Um, I think I think a safe place to start is going to be the the January sixth committee hearings. Um, those are ongoing. Yep, we are, we are through day three. Um, yep. What I think probably just like my initial impression, my my first my first like one sentence summary is uh, nothing has surprised me yet. <laughs> what What do you think, artist? Um, there hasn't been anything for me because I've been. I've been fairly consistent with like keeping up with the news, but like for folks that haven't been following it as rapidly as you or I or the revolutionary have, this could be an eye opener for a lot of folks who just, as soon as it went away, it went away and they haven't given it a second thought. True. I mean, that's a good point. We should probably kind of put together a quick summary here. Uh, So uh, to start with, uh, you may or may not know there was uh, an attempted coup uh, in the Capitol on the 6th of January 2021 following the presidential elections. Uh, The reason it was in January, not in November, is the 6th of January is the day that all of uh, Congress gets together to ratify the election results and sign them into into law, basically, so that we can uh, swear in our new president. Uh, And... That was the day that uh, a lot of supporters of the former president decided that uh, the best way to express their discontent with the results of the election was to attempt to, well, rather, was to successfully invade the Capitol building and attempt to find senators, ostensibly murder them uh, based on the, the gallows they had constructed in the lawn, and uh, proceeded to loot and uh, uh, vandalize the building, as well as murder, I believe it was six police officers. Okay, so the those were the events on January 6th, as we understood it at the time. However, right. uh, it has been, what, two years, two plus years since that event, mm-hmm. and a lot of things have come to light in the intervening time that some of us knew on like a fundamental, like this is my gut impression level. 
but to see it spelled out and proven with like evidence and witness testimony uh, is an entirely different thing. There have been, according to uh, the, uh, the committee, at least seven different avenues that the Trump administration took to try to maintain power, even though uh, they knew that Trump lost the election. I mean, we, and, we sat here and we watched a lot of them. Um, they attempted to bully a number of secretaries of state. Uh, they attempted to uh, do recounts and or flag uh, ballot counts as fraudulent. Uh, they attempted to lie about the validity of certain ballot collections. They uh, had over 60 legal cases right. across the United States uh with claims of voter fraud and every single one of them with the exception of like one was thrown out because they didn't have a shred of evidence and like i I forget it was in arizona uh, i forget exactly what the particulars of that one case was but it was mostly thrown out i think i think the one that stuck 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 was the the server ninjas who took the ballot servers and then vanished and and Basically, in their in their air quotes uh, investigation, uh, no, this was did all forms of evidence so that those particular ballot machines couldn't be used anymore. Okay, so uh, in my understanding, there was at least one where like there was a quote unquote valid point that could be had, but he lost every single case. Right, right. I believe in in the vast majority of those recount uh, counties uh the <laughs> the margins swung further in in president biden's favor in almost every single one of them uh, yes that that was amusing uh so uh, long story short uh we we between november of 2020 and january of 2021 we saw it, and everyone here on the show we we knew it was coming we all knew what was coming we all saw it coming from a mile away we knew that it would be a conceded mm. widespread effort coast to coast to try to invalidate any election result that wouldn't reelect president trump and he was yeah he was laying the foundation for for this before the election before any votes were cast right because the whole mail-in ballot thing and and you know exactly votes and and early election stuff like basically the president used his ignorance of the ballot casting system as evidence that it was a flawed process (laughs) <laughs> he 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 used his ignorance and he relied on his base being ignorant. Hmm. Uh, I, I would say he relied on his base's confirmation bias, not necessarily their ignorance. Um, well, it's really, it's really easy to paint the picture of a, you know, air quotes, them are, are out, they are out to get us. Uh, they are corrupt and evil. And I am, in, you know, speaking as a president, as the 45th president, I am the only bastion of truth and honesty and, and real in reality, therefore, only what I say is valid and acceptable. And okay, that so very quickly, I will I will say that there are conservatives that are better informed. Hmm. Uh, and I will take a drink. <laughs> no, again, we when we when we paint with a broad brush, you're going to miss. Yeah right so so yeah. we're not saying all conservatives we're not saying all republicans we're specifically talking to the the base of the pres of the 45th president's hardcore supporters who would accept nothing but that the former president is the only president and will be that president for life uh uh there were people at 
rally for whatever reason they were having pro-trump rallies as as recently as april of this year 2022 where people were telling were saying with complete conviction to news reporters no no president trump is still president he's just president behind the scenes <laughs> uh, uh biden is just a puppet uh, he's a he's a state agent so, you know some wacko conspiracy theory uh, but then, of course, if you pointed to all the problems currently happening, well, no, 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 President Trump can't be doing that. That's something else entirely. Yeah, he I couldn't mean, possibly be responsible for how high the gas prices are. Right. Oh, my I God, mean... look at the gas prices. <laughs> and I, I don't want to talk about gas prices today. Everyone's talking about it. It's just an entire <laughs> topic. But uh, what what the January 6th committee has been doing is, uh, first off, they've been spending about six months behind closed doors gathering evidence, uh, compiling stories, compiling uh, uh, testimonials, uh, compiling witnesses, and getting really, really connecting all the dots very, very well. Mm -hmm. uh, day one was basically, uh, it, we are completed through day three at this point. So, so the first day of the hearings, the public hearings, was basically a summary of the events as they occurred on the 6th of January. Uh, a lot of video evidence, a lot of security cameras from the Capitol building as well, which was uh, really interesting to see because we, we've all seen the social media stuff. We've all seen the Instagrams, the YouTubes, the Facebook videos. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen the clean, high quality, stable video from the building. And it, it was even worse than what it looked like on social media, frankly. It was insane. Um, I'll also say one of the things that were that was largely covered in the very first um, session was establishing that Trump knew full well and his inner circle knew full well that there was no fraud, that there was no legitimacy to the claim that he lost the election and that it was stolen. Right. Like he knew, he knew that he lost it outright, or at the very least, he had been told be re repeatedly by people that he trusted that he lost outright and he still uh, lied to the American people. He still pushed yeah. to his base this conspiracy theory I mean, and at this point, we have it on record that uh, the, the former attorney general, William Barr, told the, told President Trump to his face, this is bullshit. And that's a quote. Yeah, that, that these efforts to try to undermine the election aren't aren't legitimate. So uh, like like you said, artist, every everyone in the 45th president's camp was telling him, you need to stop this. This is wrong. There's nothing. We're not going to win this. We can't win this. Uh, uh, his the president's own president, uh, daughter, the president's own daughter said, <laughs> I'm not willing to argue with William Barr over these points. If William Barr said a thing is bullshit, then there, there it is, because I don't know enough to argue against it. Just, and the best part is immediately afterwards, Donald Trump threw his own daughter under the bus. Oh, of course he did. He, he throws everyone. <laughs> under the bus. Uh, uh, day, day two, uh, they, they, discussed a lot about how the president manipulated his followers uh his social media campaigns his speeches his rallies uh the organization uh the the multifaceted effort to gather as many people as possible in the capitol on the 6th of january of 2021 and kind of laid the groundwork for uh even if the president didn't necessarily say explicitly now go overthrow the capitol he pretty much laid the breadcrumbs and opened the door. Uh, it was that. And on the first day, they established uh, that 
this was not just a rally that got out of hand. This was not just a political speech. Uh, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, mm-hmm. specifically, they walked, they did not go to the speech. Mm-hmm. They went directly to the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And like they were planning to go to the Capitol from like at least days in advance. And there was a meeting no, like they coordinated. They had been coordinating for months. Yeah. Going forward with it. Uh, some of our favorite uh, political pundits, like uh, I'm going to say his name this time because it's worth saying here in this context, Alex Jones of InfoWars was there on the 5th of January giving a rallying speech. Uh, he was he was directly involved in a number of online communities trying to coordinate these efforts. His own show, his own platform, he was leveraging massively to encourage people to go storm the Capitol. And he was not in any way quiet or soft or, or beating around the bush about it. He was very directly there to say, we need to fight back. We need to go take with violence the Capitol and restore democracy, as he saw mm-hmm. it. Uh, so this was, this was a, a widespread, long-term, calculated maneuver. Nothing about this was in any way... Uh, a spur of the moment, everyone just got riled up in their emotions and stormed off to the Capitol. And not for a second would I believe that the 45th president did not know any of this. Not for a second would I believe that he was not in some way involved in the coordination and planning. Yeah. So, like, basically, there were, it was a two-pronged thing. The Oath, Keeper, Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys went to the Capitol in, uh, in advance of the crowd uh, because they knew that eventually the crowd was coming. They right. knew that they were the crowd was going to be sent to the Capitol. At the very least, a, a large portion of them were going to go there. But they were already leading, uh, you know, laying the groundwork for that. And like they were using the crowd as cover. But like they were already fighting the cops. And like and they were the already on the way. Too, you know, in, in discussing these. Uh, plannings right these, these advanced plans uh we now have video of uh gop congressman uh loudermilk barry loudermilk giving people a very detailed behind the scenes tour of the capitol building the day before so and, and there, we have it on video these people taking pictures touring the stairwells you know exploring the exit what looked like exploring exit paths entry paths and tunnels and yep and escape routes all all of it not to mention, at least one person on that tour was on video on the right. 6th, threatening members of Congress. Yep, confirmed as a member of, the, of that uh, coup attempt. So it, the dots connect themselves here, right? Like, it's pretty obvious what's going on. It's pretty obvious that this was not some spur of the moment, uh, you know, a rousing speech that the crowd got worked up for. This was the thing that people were planning on. Day three... Uh, and this is the one that I think is, is the most interesting for the what if factor uh, was basically discussing the vice president's role in the day of January 6th of uh, uh, vice, vice president Pence, um, who was one of the many naysayers to the former president saying, look, Mr. President, this isn't a thing. We're not going to win this. We can't win this. We have no legal standing. We need to let it go. And uh, this, yeah, know. this is all centered around a very dodgy legal theory 
-hmm. revolving around the certification of I wanted yeah I wanted I wanted to get to that but but yeah sorry sorry no worries uh we will definitely get to it because it it is critical to the story Uh, but uh it starts basically with the president trying to tell the vice president hey man um you're my buddy you're my friend you trust me I like you you're gonna make sure that we don't certify these these election results right (laughs) you're 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 gonna do this for me because it's the right thing to do and where that idea came from was this lawyer, uh, artist that you mentioned, whose name I... John Eastman. Thank you. Um, Eastman. It took me a while to think of it, too. Yeah. Uh, so John Eastman, um, who I believe was on uh, Giuliani's team or affiliated with Giuliani in some way, uh, or I'm not too sure. He, he, <laughs> I don't he know. Was, yeah, he was some member of the legal team around the president. And uh, they had, they you know... At, as summarized in the second day of the hearings, they had run out of ideas. The, the, the Trump team had no clue how to go about justifying denying the not accepting the results of the election. So here comes Eastman and he says, hey, look, here's what we do. We have the vice president refuse to acknowledge in Congress <laughs> the election results because because the way it works, the House verifies the results. The results of the election go to the Senate. The Senate verifies and the vice president signs off on the acceptance of those election results. And <laughs> Eastman's idea was, all right, well, if, if, if the vice president just doesn't sign, right? If there's no signature, then, then clearly it didn't happen, right? Like <laughs> we've got 517 other signatures and that's not enough. We just, if we, if we don't have this last one, clearly it didn't happen. Uh, My favorite part of all of this is that someone poked a hole directly through this argument. And they're like, well, if the vice president actually has the authority to do this, mm-hmm. why didn't Al Gore do that in 2000? Who Al Gore, who had far more legitimate reason to actually do that. Yeah, <laughs> because, like, like, like winning the election? Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, that's a great allegory. Uh, uh... <laughs> right, and things, things went quiet. All right, am I the only one in, in this can... podcast now? Oh, yeah, I hear you now. Okay. So, so you're welcome. You're listening to the yeah, One Man Revolution podcast with only one man in it right now <laughs> can you hear me or no yeah i can hear you okay good um one second okay so uh right okay so so it, this idea that um the people who who count the ballots can just arbitrarily decide not to accept the results and that's okay is is totally bizarre um and, and it does it does remind me of that old Stalin quote. He who ca- who he who casts the vote decides nothing. He who counts the vote decides everything. Yeah, basically. I I mean, and that's a classic authoritarian trope, right? Like mm-hmm. the victor determines the histories. Uh so it's no surprise that the 45th administration goes to typical authoritarian practices to try to justify uh only only accepting the results they wanted to see in the first place. Thankfully, so Thankfully, and this is this is the weirdest thing I've ever had to say <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Thank God for Mike Pence. 
I, I know, right? That's, that's that is oh it, yeah, I like that. It, it, mm. it doesn't sit well, does it? Mm. Don't don't like that. <clears throat> but um, okay, so in but... 2019, no one could have predicted anyone would ever say that in the history of ever <laughs> with sincerity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not one person would have thought that would have been a good thing to to have in your heart. Yeah, just totally insane. But but quite quite seriously. I am incredibly happy that Mike Pence had a spine, that he stood up to a bully, that he did his job, and he protected the democracy of America. Not as only that. As far as that sentence is. Yeah. He did the right thing. Uh, but beyond that, um, as was detailed in the second day – or no, sorry, in this third day here of, of the congressional hearings, there was a concerned effort to get – mike pence by this crowd by this riot they were specifically hunting for the vice president because the president tweeted that mike pence wasn't doing his job at like 10 30 in the morning on the 6th of january clearly painting a crosshairs on the vice president uh, he, mm-hmm. yeah he sent out a tweet attacking mike pence while the capitol was under siege and mike pence was inside correct correct and that to me that in my, to me not a legal expert that is the most damning piece of evidence there is we already know what happened behind the scenes we know the conversations they had we know what but what what the president asked of pence we know what pence told the president uh basically shove it and when you stand up to donald trump you're going to get he he's going to try to smack you down right however that may be uh in this particular case he tried to do it with a with a riot with a mob uh, they had erected yeah. a gallows in the lawn, like I mentioned. Yeah, people are actively trying like, to hang Mike Pence. Normally, Mike. You, all you have to worry about is a very tiny handprint across your face—the <laughs> smallest of handprints. <laughs> the smallest of handprints. Yeah, no, uh, but but it's it's crazy. So you you have these people who were legitimately looking to assassinate, to 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 hang. In literally hang uh, the vice president on the lawn of the Capitol building. That and according and, to the and, reports, they yeah. got within forty feet of him. They were a room away. And if I, I am going to recall that one of the people that died that day, it was a direct result of them getting too close to. Mike Pence and his uh, secret security, uh, secret oh, one, service one detail. Of the rioters, you mean? Yeah, one of the rioters and his secret service shot her ass because, like, she oh, was. Oh, is, is that the lady that got shot? Yeah. Whoa, that's crazy. Then there was the guy that got his who tased himself in the balls while trying to steal a painting. No, no, which but, I still but think... I remember, you know, watching because watching the news. <laughs> yeah, that, I remember there they got to the halls of Congress. Uh, Secret Service had boarded up the door. They were breaking the window down. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody, I believe there was somebody, one of the Secret Service members saw somebody stick a weapon through the window. So mm-hmm. he fired to the crowd. He killed yeah. I didn't realize that that was while they were evacuating the vice president. That's wild. I, if, if I remember correctly, that's what was going down. I think that was, he was a member of the Secret Service on Pence's detail. Right. I mean, I believe it, honestly, because, uh, according to the stories i've been reading about about uh, the vice president's part in this uh 
he refused to leave the Capitol. He, he exactly wanted to make this stand that says, no, American democracy is stronger than this. I yeah. will not be seen leaving. I will. Yeah. So they well, evacuated. not only that, but I think that if um, if he had fled the Capitol because the Secret Service was going to put him in a car and whisk him away from the Capitol, had he left the Capitol, that would have been another avenue for them to seize power and that would have been another another instead of him refusing like if he left Mm -hmm. they could have appointed someone else to do it or something i don't think that would have happened but that's that's an interesting theory i mean i mean regardless it's terrifying we got very very close to having an actual proper disaster instead of a an edging disaster um but that leads me to the what if of this entire scenario. Uh, oh, the thespian is joined, um, which is perfect because actually we, we were talking about this before the show today. So I'll wait mm-hmm. for her to hop in here and uh, I'll pose this question to the dais because I think it's a very good question. Hello, thespian. Change your name, thespian. She's working on it. Okay. Uh, so um, thespian, you joined at a perfect time. Uh, I was bringing up the the question because we were just discussing the events of of mike pence's day on the 6th of january and how he came very close to being assaulted by the mob Mm -hmm. Um, what happens if they get him um he probably would have been killed and i think that the country would have absolutely descended into chaos and possibly a civil war might have started see i disagree i i think and, and I, I don't like to put it into, into these words, so uh, bear with me. I think if the crowd had actually killed the vice president, we would have a much better country right now. I think that would have been such an extreme action by such an insane wing of the, of the right wing uh, part of this country that a lot of them would have run away from it. A lot of them would realize this is too crazy. This is unsustainable. I can't affiliate with this. I need to re-examine my political affiliations. I just, based on the um, uh, I don't I don't know what word to put with it, but based on how um politically excited they were um leading up to that i feel like they would have absolutely just seen that and and would have gotten a a bigger head i think i think it would have i think it would have done the opposite where they would they would feel empowered that that something like that could happen just based on our words you know and and the guy backing us up yeah. What, what do you think? So. All right. So I am going to say that it, we would not, we would not see a backlash. Uh, there would not, if the insurrection as it happened mm-hmm. was not enough to cause a mass exodus from the Republican party uh, due to this, then nothing would like, I don't think a, a public execution on national TV of a sitting vice president 
would have made any difference to the crowd that was that wanted it to happen. Mm-hmm. The I, I crowd, the crowd that saw what we all saw with our own eyes mm-hmm. and decided that a a crowd full of old white people was somehow Antifa. <laughs> no, so so that's where I think it's important to keep a couple of things in mind, right? Mm-hmm. Number one, uh, there's a lot of right-wingers who are big fans of the sentiment from Thomas Jefferson, a little revolution every now and again is a good thing. And that's mm-hmm. a good reason. So they're, the people that haven't run screaming from the right-wing are those people they're like yeah you know what the people the people decided to rise up and speak to what they think is important that's a good thing we need to do more of that the people the the ones that i think change their mind and run away screaming are the single issue voters it's the ones who vote for guns or taxes or uh regulations on business or you know economic policy or whatever right it's not it's not the the rank and file right-wingers it's the people who don't think the democrats are necessarily the best choice because of their selection of policies and so and therefore they go to the republicans i think those people right who make up i would i would argue make up a solid solid 50 percent of the gop base uh they would be immediately terrified of what the gop could represent what they could do if the if the the leader of the party actively foments revolution actively uh, uh, calls for the assassination of his right-hand man, I mm-hmm. think that decimates the centrist support for the party. And you're I not think lose that's, the extremists, but I think you're going to lose the, the moderates. I think that's a very large part of what these hearings are all about. Are Congress thinking? is trying to make the case to the centrist Republicans to split off. Right. You know, it's like there there are we won't know until uh the midterms how fractured the republican party really is because we had the election and then we had january 6th and we haven't had any we don't know how big an effect the lincoln project has had on the republican party we don't know how big an effect um, you know, Liz Cheney standing up to, uh, I can't, I can't no, hear you. No, I'm not saying anything. I, you're, you're right. Okay. I don't know those things, but I also don't yeah. think they've had any significant impact at all. So like, but there is a, any number larger than zero is disconcerting people that will support Donald Trump and support the you know, authoritarian fascist bent, no matter what, right. Like as long as they have an R on their name, they, that's who they're voting for um, to own the libs or whatever. And then there are, there's a segment of the Republican party that were like, we just wanted smaller government. We don't want all of this. This is not what our party is supposed to be. When, you know, I don't know if for those people, January 6th was a quote unquote come to Jesus moment and they realize what their party has become. Mm -hmm. We won't know that until the midterms. Like, I know that there's some primaries where some of the Trump supporters have won and some of those Trump supporters have uh, lost. So it's still. 
a grab I, I bag. Truly, I truly don't think there's been a single major shift in, in American policy because we can look at January 6th. It, if, if you're a Republican, let's say you're a moderate Republican, you mm-hmm. can look at January 6th and go, that wasn't me. That wasn't my party. That was just some nutbags. Because nothing extreme happened, because all that happened was a couple of things got broken and a couple of people had to run out of their office. Those who and, want- and a couple of cops died, but you know, blue lies but only matter the whether. But that's not the narrative. The narrative <laughs> is nothing happened, right? That's the message. It was a it was a tourist. It was a right. tourist it, visit. It was, exactly. It was just an, an unguided tour of the Capitol. <laughs> Uh, but 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 that's the narrative being pushed to the right. So if you're if you're a, a, a right leaning, if you're a moderate Republican, right, like you're not an actual bigot, you're just kind of ignorant that the Republican Party is actually all bigots. Um, you're not going to look at what's happening on January 6th and go, this is a problem. But I my argument is, if they had killed somebody publicly, that would be extreme enough that nobody could sweep that under the rug. There would be no way to ignore the stain on this country that that would have been. I'm sure Fox News would have found a way. Same time, like <laughs> one, it, it's just hard to be like, okay, we got to sacrifice somebody. Who's it gonna be? Like, <laughs> I, I like, I didn't like Mike Pence, but I don't think that he should die. No, you I'm know. Not- I'm not vouching for the death of a person. Certainly not. And before you joined SVN, I said the words, and I'll say them again. Thank God for Mike Pence. Mm-hmm. It still hurts. Um, <laughs> but, for, but for real, the reason why things didn't go worse is because Mike Pence did his job on the 6th of January. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you know, my, my point in bringing up that hypothetical is, is what if uh, Donald Trump's plan to have him executed had gone through? Uh, and and I believe that we would have had a much more significant outcome from that event than what we've seen so far. Uh, okay. Artist, to your point, the entire purpose behind the January 6th committee is to get to that end result, that to show that, yes, indeed, this was very significant and everybody should care. I will also say that one of the, one of their, I think one of their goals was if they had gotten a hold of Mike Pence, and they had managed to kill either him or any of the other targets that they had in mind in Congress, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, uh, mm-hmm. AOC, any number of Democratic lightning rods, yeah. Yeah. they would have been happy to get their hands on them. Agreed. And that would have been a disaster. Um, I mean, they, they specifically went to AOC's office, Nancy Pelosi's office, and Mike Pence's office. They were, yeah. they were so hunting like, those three. Oh, yeah. So like one of the things was they wanted Trump to declare martial law. And if somebody like, even if it's his people are the ones that invaded the Capitol and killed the vice president, that would have given him an excuse to declare martial law and postpone the election for another X number of days. And by that point, he'll have the Supreme court just declare him president again. Yeah. But, but Congress had already done their job. Right. Mm-hmm. At that, even at the point where, where the rioters had reached the halls of Congress, they had already validated the results of the election. The mob was too late. Thank you. The majority of them. I think they were uh, in the process of getting the final states together. I think it wasn't yeah, until like two o'clock in the morning the next day that they actually. Yeah, because because remember, process. Lindsey Graham got really, really drunk. No, <laughs> I don't remember that. I'm sad I don't. Yeah. Remember that. He got, was it, was it, I think it was Lindsey Graham. I'm not surprised. Uh, I, 
now I'm just picturing him with Rudy Giuliani in the back room somewhere doing shots. Rudy, you, you Giuliani, yeah. Like to the end of the world. Uh, no, I, I. I remember the end of the world. I don't think I don't think Lindsey Graham could be could be bothered to spend more than thirty seconds in a room with Rudy Giuliani. I, I think uh, uh, Graham has too much taste in boots. <laughs> 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 he likes them high quality boots if he's going to be licking any <laughs> no it's like i won't be, i won't be licking italian leather sir i'm a man of culture oh my god yeah no that's i think <laughs> i don't think those two are are particularly compatible um <laughs> no but but it's it's just totally wild and and of course uh we're only on day three of these hearings we're still waiting mm-hmm. you know to see what else comes from it uh, uh, there's an article I read today from Slate basically stating that mm-hmm. the uh, the committee is doing the Department of Justice's job, mm-hmm. uh, and I agree. Um, I think uh, the Attorney General uh, – oh, I knew his name this afternoon. Merrick Garland. Garland, thank you. Uh, Merrick Garland hasn't done very much uh, in his time as the Attorney General of the United States in regards to the previous administration. Uh Yes, it's a bit of a lightning rod, but 100% we need to be going after at least the administrative staff, right? Because they were clearly breaking the law. It's very obvious, very easy to tell. Um, okay, so yeah. there are. I will still stand by my assertions. And by the way, the Department of Justice has requested the transcripts from all of the um, that's, congressional that's going going with that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. There you go. Uh, so. There is a very big difference between establishing the legal case in a political venue, in a public forum, and there's the enti- entirely different, like criminal investigations. Like they're not ne- they're not beholden to the political uh, wing. And as far as making recommendations for holding somebody in contempt of Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite possible that they are not testifying before Congress, but they are cooperating with the Department of Justice. And like in, in order to like they might be shooting themselves in the foot by going to Congress. Like they might be hurting their the the help that they're providing to the Department of Justice by going to Congress, or like maybe the reason that they're not like the Department of Justice isn't pursuing contempt of Congress uh, against these people is because they're cooperating with the Department of Justice. And they don't want to jeopardize that continued cooperation. Oh no, I, I fully recognize that when you're pursuing le- legal challenges to a previous president, your T's must be crossed and your I's dotted in triplicate before you take any public action. I I fully recognize that. And and that is how it should be. But um, I'm not talking about members of Congress. I'm talking about staffers in the White House. Okay, no, but like, say for, we're talking about like, say Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows has has refused to testify. Or, you know, he, he cooperated a little bit. He's applied text messages and emails and whatever. And then he didn't go to testify. So they recommended contempt of Congress. We don't know what participation he is having, if any, with the Department of Justice. He might be one of their witnesses. And if he is cooperating with them, 
showing up and testifying at the January 6th commission might be tipping their hand. So here's, here's my concern, though, because I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to claim to understand the ins and outs of how prosecution by the DOJ goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if Congress gets involved or not. Do, mm-hmm. do you know? Does Congress get involved in those things? Okay, so as far as a criminal yeah. case, I don't think. No. I guess yeah, so. I don't think so. I think it's completely separate. So like the midterms could come and go and say, for example, like heaven forbid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Republicans sweep the the midterms and you hold your tongue. I I said, you know, I don't want that to happen. But the Department of Justice's case, their investigation could continue. Nevertheless, it would run unabated because it is completely it is a criminal investigation, not a political one. No, I, I hear you, but uh, it's incredible how many things the Republicans can make criminal, uh, uh, political if they want to. Um, so my fear, right, is that um, if the balance of power shifts in Congress and, uh, after this midterm election, mm-hmm. which it will, um, I worry about the support structure behind the DOJ and the funding behind the DOJ and the way in which they can go about their business. I worry that that gets interrupted or slowed down. And if it's hampered enough, it may not be done before the next presidential election, and we're screwed. Uh, because, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, I, I want to kind of. That's another topic I wanted to get into is is kind of the overall malaise around the Democratic Party and the in, in the upcoming midterms. Uh, but I want to finish this topic out first. Um, okay. I. I fully recognize that Congress is doing the job of the DOJ. Um, I would not be surprised if this committee was working hand in hand with the DOJ to compile all of their evidence. And they're simply making it public so that nothing can be refuted when the DOJ goes forward with charges. Exactly. Um, the other thing that I'm, that I'm curious about and concerned about, and I, again, not too sure about the order of operations on this, but I know that a member of, congress or or federal government an elected member of federal government can be censured by congress so that even if they aren't necessarily guilty of a thing they can never hold office again and i'm very unhappy about the uh impeachment (laughs) findings that we that we saw with the 45th president and the fact that he was he was acquitted and therefore not censured uh i am hopeful that we would have a way to censure him and many of his staff so that none of them can pers- can pursue office again in the future. And I worry that if the balance of power shifts before the investigation is complete, that won't be an option. Okay, so I will also, uh, while we're talking about January 6th, I would very much like at least one of the days on the committee to be spent with talking about all of the voter restrictions that have been passed by Republican states uh, since January 6th, you know, because, because there has been so much drumming up of fear of voter fraud that they've used this to justify tilting things in their, in their uh, tilting the scale in their favor again. I mean, we've already got a test case, I believe in New Mexico, where the sitting Republican uh, structure is refusing to, uh, oh no, is refusing to validate the election results because uh, the, Repu- the sitting Republican lost to an incumbent uh, Democrat. 
and, and I believe it's in a county. It's not statewide. It's in a county. Mm-hmm. And the Secretary of State's like, uh-uh, that doesn't fly. That's not how this works. It's certified. Republican lost. Democrat won. Let's move on. Um, but that that is exactly what we're going to see coast to coast uh, in the 2022 elections is any any state where the Republicans lose a seat is going to be contested until the last minute they can fight it legally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what scares me, and this is a thing that I've talked about before is uh, a scared, a scared and angry voting base is the most effective voting base, especially when it's the Republicans. They're all angry because they, their election was stolen. They're all scared because communism <laughs> apparently apparently you know record profits is communism i don't know uh, <laughs> uh so they're scared about that they're angry about having their 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 properly re-elected presidents taken from them they're going to show out in droves in 2022 and the democrats have done nothing but piss away the good for the good uh the 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 head start they were given by the people when they were elected in 2020 uh, that's gone. Uh, the president has done nothing with it. The Congress has done nothing with it. Uh, Congress actually has brilliantly demonstrated how broken our system is, thanks to uh, Mansion and uh, Cinema. Um, Cinnamon Bun, yeah. Horrible, horrible <laughs> human beings. Um, so, so I was uh, uh, on the topic of Cinema, which is an interesting uh, uh, mentality. I was listening to another podcast recently, and they were discussing how. Uh, cinema represents the new flavor of member of Congress. They're just in it for the money. They lie until they're blue in the face, the whole campaign trail. They say all the things they want to say, regardless of which side it's to. It doesn't matter which side it's to. They get into office. They're in for one term because they don't give a crap about getting reelected. They burn all the bridges and they profit as much as they possibly can on their time in office. And and I think that's a correct analysis. I think that's what we're going to start seeing. Uh, I think... um, because because we're all saying the quiet part out loud now, right? No one's afraid to say the quiet part out loud. Cong- uh, Congress is owned by corporate America, actively owned by it. Everyone knows it. No one's hiding from it. Nobody can get away from it anymore. So members of Congress are like, all right, well, if everyone knows it and no one can stop us, ka-ching. <laughs> and, and that's, and, and cinema is, is that, is that. She is the, the the torchbearer for the new level of contempt for our own system held by the elected members of our Congress. Uh, Senate is in a particular position of power to do that because of their six year term, um, and, and how difficult it is to get anything through the Senate. So if you have senators in your pocket, you're doing very well. Um, House the House not so much, but the people in the House are fighting for a Senate seat. So so the House is like the minor leagues, and the Senate is the major leagues. Uh, all of this requires massive overhauls, both of how people are appointed to ballots, how ballots are collected, counted, and and accounted for, and. I'm not going to say term limits because we know that'll never happen, but I think we need to examine the way in which a member of Congress holds their seat and how their assets are managed. Yeah, I agree. 
I felt like I was talking too long. I wanted to give you guys a moment to break in there. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I don't have anything to, no, else I, to I tend, add. I tend but... to speak into, in, in absolutes. Um, no, but it, it, I mean, yeah. all of that makes sense. Uh, but it, yeah, I just, I'm sorry. I don't have, do, I have the, the too much is, else. How do we get there from here? Right. Well, that, like that's basically we, yeah, like that's, that's the question. Like right now we can see where we want to be from where we're at, but you know, Hey Siri, how do we unfuck the United States? Well, there's a the problem right now is there's a a Mitch McConnell sized troll in the way of the bridge. I found this on the web for how do I unfuck the United States. Check it out. What does it say? <laughs> I, I love, love it. To know those results. It's a. I think it's a YouTube link. Uh, Mike Ritland. That's Joe un- Rogan. I'm going to scream. And no, it is not. It is not. Uh, it is not. It's not. <laughs> Oh my god. That's funny. That's way too good. So uh, <laughs> so so what I, one one thing that I've proposed, and I, I feel like I've brought it up on the show in the past, and, and this is kind of I would call it a bridge, right? Uh f- first off, we need all of the long termers to just accept their age and start dying off. They need to go away. They will never be unseated, they will never lose an election, they will never be primaried on either side of the aisle. They're not going away until they kick the bucket. Let's go ahead and speed that up, please. Let's move on to some fresh blood, some new ideas, some new concepts. Well, and the joke's on you. Turtles live 150 so, years. So maybe, maybe our actual way to do this is to find somebody to befriend all of these old people. And just like through conversation outside of actual Congress, just give them that idea like yes it is time you should retire you should go enjoy some time away we should introduce them all to very attractive skydiving instructors it's like or or inception like (laughs) (laughs) no 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 we know we get them all in touch with very attractive skydiving instructors that you take an 85 year old out and jump out of a plane yeah that's fantastic yeah like if if their heart survives hell yeah I don't know. I'm I'm saying we could do this in a little bit more civil way that doesn't involve jumping out of a plane. Because I'm sorry, I'm 34 and I'm not going to do that. Uh, You're, you you haven't been in office for 34 years. That is true. <laughs> but I don't and, think my my can... current 34 year old heart could handle that either. So, okay. although to be fair, an attractive woman can convince me to do just about anything. So, okay, see? <laughs> so we find an attractive pool boy for Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell. <laughs> but wait, uh, wait, can there's my, more. Wait, can, they're can, wearing speedos. But what I'm wondering is, is how but does can Mike can Mike Cawthorn even jump out of a plane anymore? Who? Maddie Wheels. Wheels. Oh, wheels. Uh, well, he, he's not in Congress. He got primaried. He's done. So, ha ha. So he doesn't need a talking to. He, he's screwed up so bad. The Republican well, no, I mean he's the pool boy now. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of a show that I did uh, my freshman year of college. Might have been my sophomore year. It was called Weekend at Oswald's, and um, Lee Harvey Oswald was the pool boy of J. Edgar Hoover. And it was great. It was fabulous. I can see it. 
I can connect those dots already. I'm very sad I didn't see this. <laughs> no, yeah, this was well before you and I met. But the poster is on our wall in our in yes, the hallway. I've seen it. I was wondering yeah. if that was. <laughs> now, I, I think I'm I'm fairly concerned, uh, convinced that Lindsey Graham is far too ableist to have uh, a handicapped pool boy. So I don't that's think <laughs> I don't think that's going to be a, a factor there. Uh, no, but uh, my my point is, we need to get the old blood out. Uh, the Just average start. age of members of Congress is like 74. The average age. Yeah, of- only AB negative. Just start Positive. cutting their cocaine with something harder. Yeah, meth. <laughs> Go get that, that sweet, sweet meth from North Dakota. <laughs> South Dakota. Whatever, the Dakotas. Yeah, we're on it. Uh, no, it's uh, regardless of regardless of how we get rid of the olds, uh, what I think is important is uh, the new, the new, newly elected members of Congress. Ideally, are the new generation. They are, they are the millennials. They are the, the the globally aware, the self aware, those who recognize the macro instead of the micro. Obviously, that's not going to be how it is because anybody you know seeking office in Congress is probably a piece of shit. But we can hope we get a slightly different flavor of shit instead of just old. And I would. Uh, el- some with possibly with corn in it, although corn is more expensive these yeah, days. Uh, uh, Taco Tuesday <laughs> becomes a new federal holiday. Unless it's corn with the millennials. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my proposal has been for a long time because we, we know, okay, so let's establish, right? You have a job that pays you a good amount of money. That job also allows you to bring in unlimited side money for as long as you don't brag about it. Are you ever going to make sure that you can only take so much money or are you going to make sure you can take as much as you can? Right? What, I mean, it would be what, what as much as is, I can. What I'm saying is you'll never choose to take money away from yourself, right? And that's yeah. what we're asking Congress to do. The way, the way the rules of Congress are set right now with campaign financing and funding and super PACs Mm-hmm. They can take, they can pocket as much money as they want. Yeah. And we would like you to voluntarily take a pay cut. Right. Yeah, exactly. Nobody would ever do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody would ever do that. But my proposal is if you're in it for the money, fine. But the moment you take office, you can only make so much money. Right. And they call it $10 million, call it $20 million, call it $5 million. I don't really care. Pick a number. The moment you hit that number, that is your last term in office. So if you want to stay in office a long time, you take your salary, you freeze all your assets at a trust, and you don't make any money outside of what you are paid as a member of Congress. And you will stay in for as long as humanly possible. If you're not worried about staying in for a long time, you'll go in, you'll cash your checks, you'll do your lobbying, and you'll bail. No problem. You're not in there long enough to cause damage. And that is not an ideal situation. It has problems. It creates flaws in our system. But I think it leaves room for those who want to be there to do something, the space to do that. And it minimizes the amount of damage that can be done by those who are there to profit off. So I guess the one thing, I suppose, uh, one question is, and I think we've brought this up before, uh, what happens if say, for example, someone who is already rich wants to run for office. Are they only allowed to run for one term? No, no, it's or a timer could... that starts the day you take office, and from there, you start counting up. 
And if they okay. have active investments that make them a billion dollars in two weeks, they're done. Okay. Right. But, and here's the out. You put all of your assets into a blind trust. Yeah. And now that money doesn't count. If you okay. put it in a blind trust and you take office, none of that money counts towards your, towards your tracker. Or, as or long you as sink, you don't you use that. You sink like, all as long of as you don't into, pull from it. You sink all of it into U.S. Saving, savings bonds. That right, way exactly. it's tied to the dollar. Mature every term or whatever. And you mm-hmm. can just choose to renew them with every new term. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, we, there's an easy way to make a financial mechanism that they cannot, it is not liquid. It is not accruing money in a way that they can control outside of making the U.S. government and, and economy work better. And that's it. Right. And like none of their decisions would like directly impact their own financial portfolio. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's good their only their only motivation would be to increase the value of the US dollar. That way their bonds. <laughs> and that requires global thinking, right? Because the economy mm-hmm. is global. If you want the US dollar to be worth more, you have to make policy decisions that are good for the globe. Right. And and that is a powerful motivator. So if we say, hey, you can make as much money as you want in a blind trust, and none of that counts, great. Mm-hmm. But if you want to keep managing assets, you're on the clock. Uh, I, I think that's a good bridge, right? Because if we establish that, we have a good likelihood of putting in enough people in, in Congress to change it to a concrete methodology of uh, specific term limits or some other mitigating factor, right? It doesn't have to be you know, two terms and you're done. It could be whatever whatever you want it to be. Uh, but when you when you take the when you take the people who are there to make money out of the equation, you can remove lobbying. We can revisit uh, uh, Citizens United versus uh, Supreme Court, right? We we uh, we can we can reexamine all of these things with a Congress that is less corrupt mm-hmm. than it was. And I think that's I think <laughs> I I hate that our lens right now is. Well, what if it was a little less bad? <laughs> that's that's liberal. That's that's the the liberal wing of the Democratic Party. That is, you know. I mean, let's I, go for the lesser evil. I fully acknowledge that I only vote for Democrats because the Republicans are such giant fuckheads. Like that's that's it, uh, and I will take that strike, and I'm okay with it because uh, I was I was talking to uh, a, a classmate of mine uh, yesterday about various i'm i'm obviously i'm loud mouth i'm not going to keep my mouth shut if i hear somebody saying something willfully stupid so i'm going to call it out and i'm going to be i'm not going to be quiet about it well you're and like the most soft-spoken comment. person i know so. <laughs> you never and, say anything i know I'm, I'm so i just i just i'm always so quiet nobody knows i'm there uh but uh a, a more kind of centrist person in the room was like you always you know, you're never afraid to say anything and you always make great arguments. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's, I don't, I don't like letting, I don't like letting people get away with being stupid. Uh, and we just kind of like continued on with the conversation and it kind of got into, uh, well, what are, what are your political positions? And because we live in such a toxic one or, you know, toxic binary in this country, uh, I've distilled my political viewpoints to these. As long as your policy doesn't cause direct harm to somebody, we're good. Simple as that. Uh, capitalism causes harm, so capitalism needs to go. <laughs> but also, you know, uh, uh, all of these um, transphobic and homophobic policies we're seeing nationwide are actively mm-hmm. causing harm. 
this new this new bent to label anybody in the trans community as a as a groomer of minors yeah is, is horrendous uh, I mean, the statistics obviously aren't there. Uh, the vast majority of people, of young people who were molested or molested by a family member or a close family friend. So or clergy. It, or clergy, yes, which, yeah, you know, father. Yeah. <laughs> the family member. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, so obviously it's, it's all of that is bullshit. Um, the other thing a lot of people don't realize is I believe it's, it's somewhere between one and 2% of the entire population are actually trans right it's a very very small number yeah it's a surprisingly small number uh which you wouldn't think if you if you follow the news they're in the headlines all the time so you would think that's a it's a big thing there's a lot of people that no it is wildly blown out of proportion by those who are trying to to and i'm gonna make i'm gonna make some grandiose statements here people who are trying to participate in oh i lost the word oh crap it's gone. I've lost it. That's terrible. That's a massive strike. Because you spent a all of your vocabulary. There are, there are people who are trying to participate in a genocide of, of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, we're trying to legislate anybody who identifies anything other than cis straight as wrong, as evil, as illegal. We're trying to make their culture unapproachable, unmaintainable. We're trying to make Anyone who belongs to that community feels scared or trying to make them run and hide. That is genocide. Genocide is cultural. Genocide is not mass murder necessarily. It could be as simple as forcing these people to do something against their will that hides who they are and eventually kills their culture. And that is what the Republicans are trying to do on a state-by-state basis because they can't do it legally on a federal level. Uh, It's horrible. It's horrible to see what's happening. I was going to save this for a well done, but um, a federal judge in Alabama hmm. uh, has rejected the uh, the Alabama law criminalizing parents for obtaining essential medical care for their transgender children. Really? So that is it. That is some good news. That's fantastic. Yeah, I heard I heard about that on TikTok earlier today, and I just looked wow. it up again. And yeah, that's that's that been is, that is excellent. So. Yes. Uh, I, I'm going to put a proposal out here. Uh, this is a good place to take a quick break, or we can keep going for a little while and end the show a little early. What do we think? We take a break and come back. I would be okay with taking a break. It would give me a chance to kind of like look at some stuff and and talk a little bit. Um, plus, maybe try and catch the fireworks. But I don't know what time they start. Okay. But um, but yeah, we can if we could take a break. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know how this works. Oh, and all others. <laughs> you know how this works. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back right after this. Fantabulous. Okay. Cool. Don't, don't say things when we're trying to take a break because I have to hit the button. Is it me? Yes. Yeah. Damn it. All right. Um, we are still live to Facebook. I don't know how to mute that. Uh, you are listening to One Man Revolution with your host, the Revolutionary. And the Comrade. The Thespian. And the Artist. Hey, the Revolutionary is not actually here. That's fine. He is on vacation. Uh, so standing in for him is the rest of us uh, having a remarkably civil conversation. <laughs> it's kind of strange. It's very structured, very organized. There's not a lot of shouting. Uh, yeah, here, here. <laughs> 
but we're back. We're oh, we'll uh, we've refreshed ourselves, and I think it's time to get into the second half here. So, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> what are we drinking for the second half, Thespian? Well, comrade, you start first. It's order of operations. It's fine. Uh, I've got. I found a rolling rock in the fridge. So oh yeah. I, I have a tall beer. Yep. <laughs> that's all that can be said about rolling rock. It's a very standard, standard beer. That's you it's can't complain. As beer, yeah. If you like PBR, yeah. you like rolling rock. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I am finishing up my watermelon kiwi truly, and then I will be heading into a passion fruit truly. The they white are, No, the truly is a little bit cheaper now nowadays. Okay. So <laughs> going all done sel- with all seltzers are basically the same thing. So. Yeah, so it's like just whatever flavor I'm feeling. Exactly. Felt a little more tropical this time. There we go. Got Damn Joe food. Biden with the inflation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Artist, what are you what are you enjoying? I am enjoying a cafe con leche. Little Cuban yes. coffee. Nice. Very good. All right. So we left off um kind of on on the LGBTQ uh, threats uh, threats to their community, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, do do we want to continue with that, or do, do do we have something else we wanted to branch into there? Um, no, with that, I a, a friend of ours uh, had shared an article recently. I guess maybe today that mentioned um, that in the Bay Bay Area in. California, um, a drag queen story time was interrupted by a group of, um, I guess, I guess this article said that they were proud boys. Um, yeah, gathering together and interrupting, uh, drag queen story time and, uh, you know, shouting slurs and, and all of that, um, where it's, it's hard to see, which is more traumatizing to children seeing somebody whom at, at that age they might just see as a woman with crazy makeup mm. you know uh, or yeah. a whole mob of people coming in screaming angry which do you think is more traumatizing to them because i i think it's the latter i mean <laughs> obviously the woman with the deep voice i mean who does that right i mean how old no we, we got um well usually with with any story time it's yeah they are young so we're talking what four five six years old right so three three to three to five yeah kindergarten year five when you go in so probably the ones that are already traumatized with the live shooter drills no not yet they haven't been to elementary school oh that's true Um, but but they don't do it in daycare no Uh, i don't think so but what I was going to say is none of them probably have the the capacity to determine the difference between someone in drag and someone who identifies as female, right? Like that's, that's, that's that, that they can't be at that level of sophistication of societal understanding yet. Right. They're just going to see a very brightly colored person in lots of makeup who is very dramatic. Right. And that's fun. And that's right. It, right. Like, it- it's what their imagination can can yeah. thrive off of, you know, rather than uh, it like it, they don't know it's wrong right. until it is established within their house or their 
yeah. their surroundings, that it's right. wrong. Right. And, and beyond so, that, it's called, it's an, number one, it's not invented at a school, it's at a public library, and mm-hmm. it's called Drag Queen Story Hour. So the parents know exactly what they're taking their kids to. Nobody's being blindsided here. Mm-hmm. Um, but but again, you know, like I mentioned before the break, all of this is is about making every aspect of queer culture unacceptable in America today. It is it is a form of genocide that we are watching the beginnings of here in our society. It's terrifying and it's horrible. Uh, but yeah, to your point, Thespian. Uh, uh, yeah, a bunch of scary men in body armor is <laughs> probably a lot worse for kids. But but the point isn't the children. Nobody on the right actually cares about the kids. If they did care about the kids, uh, the churches wouldn't get away with half the crap they get away with. Uh, we would have, a you know, school lunches would be free. Transportation to and from school would be free. Daycare would be subsidized. If they actually cared about kids, a lot more would be getting done to protect the children. And it's not. Instead, uh, the kids, like everything to the right, is just an easy way to make an argument that's difficult to refute without great nuance, and ain't nobody got time for that. So uh, it's it's incredibly frustrating. Uh, I, I hate to see it. I mean, you see in, in Texas earlier this year, um, the there was a law that was put into place that basically stated that any parent treating their children as trans constitutes child abuse just straight up uh it went to the supreme court of the state of texas they upheld the law so basically now any any minors going through uh who are either being treated as transgendered or being you know brought through the process they're they're they are at risk of being taken from their families at any given moment uh I heard about, I was listening to uh, the Daily Show's uh, Beyond the Scenes podcast earlier this week, and they were discussing a concept I'd never heard of, which is called a safe folder that parents have to have for their transgender children, which is basically a a folder of documents explaining, yes, this is what my child is. Yes, this is what we're doing. Yes, we are a safe and healthy household. Yes, doctors are aware of it. Yes, we have character witnesses verifying that we are good parents. It is insane. Like, they have to have it with them at all times, especially in places like Texas or Florida or Alabama, where anyone could question them at any time, and it could become a problem, a legal problem. It could become a problem where they lose their child. This issue is way beyond the pale, and it is not being done for the good of any child. I I don't... And the most horrifying thing about this mm-hmm. is, isn't even like, yes, it's a nightmare for the parents, but what happens to the child? They right. get sent to foster care where it's illegal for the, for the foster parents to recognize them for who they are. Exactly. Like, no, you must be this other thing. I also am curious, the amount of time that they're putting into finding these transgendered kids, parents, like they're not even that good at finding kids who are malnourished and like an actual need of having, of being removed from their household. Like that's if children are being told they can't get their high school diplomas because they have school lunch debt. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not like enough. that's 
it, well, no, it's not, but I, it, like, it's just, it, it's, it baffles me that, you know, it seems like 10 years ago, the country was in this upward climb of inclusion and all of that. And we, and we are, we are literally taking 50 years steps back. Yep. Absolutely. And it's, it's terrible. And it, it does make me think, I, yeah, another country might be a better place to live at this, at this particular moment. I'm losing faith in the ability for my vote to actually mean anything because all of these issues that our elected officials are being elected for, they're, they're turning their backs as soon as they get money from whatever lobbyists, you know, I think, I think in the face of that existential dread, because everyone's feeling it, right? Everybody, right? Like uh, you talk to your, I can frame these issues we discuss. I should, I should paraphrase. Uh, uh, I can frame the economic issues we discuss, the voters' representation issues we discuss. To anybody in any level of the political spectrum in this country, everyone gets depressed because all the all the dominoes are there to make sure that everything falls over and there's nothing we can do to stop it. We're just standing in line, but that is no cause for giving up. Uh, Not to me. I think the best thing we can do is just what we do here every Friday. We get together, we talk about it. We, we bring it to people's attentions. We help understand. We work through these things together. Like emotionally, we work through these things together. This is, this show is as much an emotional vent as it is a way to communicate to everyone else what's going on. Uh, It's important to keep in mind that uh, for as long as we've been alive, our votes haven't done a whole lot. But collectively, there are 180 million adults, 180 million potential voters in this country. And if all of us at least agree on some basic framework, and this is a long-term thing, right? Just basic framework stuff. We can move in a positive direction. I, I, I believe that. I truly believe that. Because if I didn't believe that, I would just give up. Um, wait, wait, you, when, when we can pare down away from what Fox and CNN are telling us to get mad about this week or tomorrow or what Facebook is giving us on our Facebook feed, when we can get past the surface and look at what motivates people what motivates the arguments the anger the emotions and we can communicate to each other about the things that raise these emotions i think even if we may not agree on the right solution we can all agree that we are working to fix a problem together as a people and that's an important thing to keep in mind there are so many people that don't see issue with making it harder for people to vote you're right and stuff like that, where, you know, I, I it's, it's one thing to have the conversation. Right. It's another thing to actually find the people that are in office that can make a change for right. it. Correct. Um, and, and, and I feel like we have, we're, we have fallen into this uh, spiral politically where it only these certain people 
get elected because they've been in the system long enough where they know, okay, so you have to have a lot of money in order, in order to get elected. Uh, and, and you have to pander to this kind of crowd because this kind of crowd is what gets you elected because they've limited voting rights for those who might say otherwise. So I hear you, but but uh, I'm going to actually take it a step further back. Uh, it's not about voting rights and voting access as much as we'd like to think it is. Uh, the most important factor in our elections is the reason why we only have two parties. It's the reason why neither party actually represents any form of political ideal anymore. The Democratic National Conv- Committee and the Republican National Committee control all of the money across the board for any form of election. If you want to go on a ballot with an R or a D, they must approve of you and give you the money to go fight. And the only way to get the money from those committees is by playing their game. They are non-for-profit, they are private, and there is no federal oversight on any level at all. It is horrifying. That, that to me, is the single biggest hurdle we must overcome as a nation. And that's a very easy one because all we have to do is abolish them, make them illegal. Create a public fund for campaigning, and it's done. Easy. See, that's that's a really kind of like chicken and the egg argument. Is it? Okay, so in order to make it illegal, you have to have representatives to pass that law to make right. it illegal. However, all of the people that are currently in office with the power to make that law are directly benefiting from it not being illegal. See, that's where I draw the distinction. I I question how much they benefit because there's a threshold of the amount of money you can make while also compromising your values before it's not worth it. Wait, I have a question. Uh Can we, via petition, get this on the ballot, like state by state? Uh, only certain states allow that, and no <laughs> is the answer. Uh, in the state of Florida, well, there goes that plan. <laughs> I mean, it's a good idea. I like your idea. In the state of Florida, if we received 100,000 signatures to add it as a votable amendment to the state constitution on the next ballot, we could do that. It would not fix the problem because it's a nationwide problem. Uh, I don't even know what states those committees are based in. The DNC may be based in Florida. I'm not sure. Uh, but regardless, the issue is on a federal level. Uh, and, and my hope, my, my optimism uh, uh, calls for me to think that there's a lot of people who are in both parties who think that they've compromised drastically on their actual values in order to play the game to get them the money to stay in office. So they've played that slippery slope game where they gave up on this and gave up on that and gave up on this other thing to keep this one thing. And they plant their flag on that one hill as their moral victory and justify what all the stuff they've sacrificed so they can fight this one fight. And I would like to think that if we gave them the opportunity to get away from that altogether, they would. Um, I mean, look, look at, look at, look at president Trump. He actively went against the Republican national committee he took direct campaign funding away from the party itself and destroyed the Republican campaign finance, destroyed it 
because instead of people donating to the party, they donated to the president directly, and they lost out on like $300 million in donations. And the RNC is still paying his legal bills anyway. Sure, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying the RNC missed out on a quarter of a billion dollars because people vote uh, 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 paid directly to the former president, right? That's a huge amount of money that they needed, and he took it away from them. So when you're big enough to do that, there's not a lot of back, backlash that, that can be had from the parties to stop you because you've got enough money to do things on your own. But when you're a house, when you're a member of the house, you've got nothing. Your, your entire day is consumed with campaigning and occasionally going to a committee and occasionally casting a vote. Uh, but instead, if we, you know, say we stretch their, uh, their, their terms to four years and then you did like a, a quarter, uh, you know, and like, so like the Senate, reelects like a third of its of its body every two years right we could do the same kind of a thing with the house we could do a re-election of a quarter of the body every year or something and just kind of increase the potential throughput but giving them more time to be in the house and get things done uh there's a solution um i i think though that if we take away the money from politics and and not just the the money that's getting pocketed by the corrupt but also the money that's required to run a campaign and stay in office, if we take that money away from the equation, maybe they could do their jobs. Maybe they could represent the people again. I mean, there's a study done recently that showed that it doesn't matter what the American population thinks of any one issue. It has no effect on the outcome of a vote in Congress. None. Yeah. I mean, considering how many ideas that are popular across a broad swath of the United States that will never get voted on with yeah. the Congress that we currently have. Look at, I mean, uh, uh, not even not even the sitting Congress, the con- congressional structure we have. Look at Medicare for all. Depending, Absolutely. Depending on the poll you look at, it's anywhere from 55 to 75% of the American populace wants Medicare for all. That's an easy majority. I mean, uh, abortion rights, like, sure. that's huge. They and codified it. They had a chance to, to legislate it and codify it, and they didn't. And now we're going to lose it. terrifying it's 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 another version of that same no it's not it's not a slippery slope it's a sisyphean thing right like well i pushed the rock up the hill well i got it up 10 feet great well it rolled back all right well now we got to push it up a little bit further oh we lost it again like there's it it feels like there's a million hurdles that's impossible but one at a time you know it's like like when when Republicans have control Hmm. of any branch of government, let alone all three. The amount of damage they can do is catastrophic. And then when we have power, because we don't have enough power, because we're missing one or two seats that aren't aligning with us, Mm -hmm. we can get nothing done because the Republicans will obstruct everything we do unless we have a supermajority. No, you're right, but 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 the question to ask there, the, the 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 issue to take up there, in my opinion, is that the Democrats don't represent progressives anymore, and they haven't for a long time. Oh, absolutely. The, Republic, the, the Republicans go further and further extreme right, and the Democrats keep shifting closer and closer to the right of center to follow. Oh, absolutely. For whatever stupid reason. I mean, the Overton window has been dragged to the right since Reagan 
probably you know, I, I wouldn't say Eisenhower, but yeah, like I, I would I would the reason I say Reagan is because uh, you know even Nixon as a Republican created mm-hmm. right uh, Nixon today would be a Democrat. <laughs> I know I know I know that that is shocking. It's crazy, and like Eisenhower would be considered a damn common socialist, right? <laughs> Uh, there was a Republican. There was a Republican this week who wants to bring back the uh, the the House Committee on Un-American something that that the uh, the anti-communist investigation stuff they used to do in the fifties. Like, well, scary. I mean, the House the House panel on Un-American activities Earth is currently up? ongoing. That's the January sixth commission. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, no, we're no, already no. doing that. <laughs> no, no, you're right. But this guy wants to specifically bring back the the anti-communist investigation. Oh, yeah. But, McCarthyism, okay, so, yeah, yeah, McCarthyism. McCarthyism. So the the question at long last, have you no sense of decency, sir, has been answered. The answer is no. They do not have a sense of decency. <laughs> but uh, back back to your you know back to the issue about uh, representation. I, I I think if the Democrats really went hard left, and by that I mean represent the rest of the civilized world. Oh, on yeah. basic on basic structures of society. It's, it would decimate the polls just everywhere. And, and, and I, think, I think in the same way, and I, and I make this argument uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a good faith manner, right? And, and take, take, the, take from that what you will. If the Republicans gave up on the culture war tomorrow and campaigned on nothing but guns and finance, sorry, guns and tax cuts, if all they did was campaign on guns and tax cuts and nothing else, they'd wipe the board easy easy peasy because they would have something to stand on that their entire base would rally behind the democrats have nothing to stand on and nobody rallies behind the democrats all people do is they rally around uh well at least you're not the republicans i guess you're not which is which is kids which is not a hard which is as sad as it is is not enough of an argument not at all like it's like the republicans the republican superstructure has realized that they don't actually need policy right all they have to do is push the emotional buttons because they know the Canadian standing behind you because that's that's his thing (laughs) the canadian always says that the republicans are a party of no policy uh that's yeah no and and you're both correct they they don't need policy they just point and go well at least we're not commies like those guys on the left over there See, and the funny, the funny thing is, as much as, like, I would really, really, really like some actual progressive policies to come out of the progressive, like, the supposedly progressive party, yeah. like, the, the Democratic, you know, party, to actually have to go back to, like, during 2008, the financial crisis and when everything crashed right the the thing that i thought was we need a new fdr we need somebody who can do a a new deal style social so, structure like it's so like, interesting you bring up fdr because fdr's policies basically created the neoliberal right the progressive who still believes in capitalism mm-hmm He's, he kept capitalism in this country alive. We had a very strong socialist movement. We were looking down the barrel of the death of capitalism, and FDR created these policies 
that benefited enough people in just the right amount of ways that capitalism maintained. Which is funny because even even Republicans back then hated it. So like they tried to kill that because like it wasn't capitalist enough. Right. But like I'm coming from the old history books where um, FDR got the New Deal passed and the New Deal was a lot of social spending and, uh, you know, uh, public works projects and put a lot of people to work. And then World War II happened and they had to put everybody to work in the factories to make guns and bombs and planes and ammo and shit. And so like that was, that's basically taking public works money and giving it steroids. Exactly. And as a result of that, we got the 19... you know, 50s and 60s, which saw tremendous economic growth for some, you know, but like that was considered a boom time. Yeah. But Republicans never want to think about what we had to go through to get there. All they want to do is go back to the social policies where black people can't drink from the same water fountains and shit. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, the, the Republican part, for whatever reason, the hill the Republicans want to die on right now is everyone must be straight. Everyone must be procreating and we can't have anything else. Like it's a really weird hill to die on because they have a lot. Also, of I think, isn't it narrated uh, by Kate Bush? I don't know. She sings the song running up that hill, which is now it's from 1986, but thanks to stranger things, it is now number one in the charts again. Yes. So I would never, okay, so I, I did not know anything about Kate Bush. As, as a relic of that generation, I still didn't know who Kate Bush was, but I do love the song, and I wouldn't that want song. to associate it with the Republican Party. It's, no, I, it probably wouldn't. It probably wouldn't, because uh, it's kind of like a gay anthem. But, like, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's definitely... You know, I, I feel like our our country is very much the sensationalist uh, model. You know, we're not gonna we're gonna be all up in arms about it until the next news story comes out, and mm-hmm. we can just dis- be distracted by something else. Right? Is there still a conflict going on in Ukraine? Yes, there is. Oh, you yeah. know, I mean, we 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 just inked a deal to give them another billion dollars in guns and ammo. I think. Like okay. Money. Because mm. they're running out of resources, which yeah. Uh uh No, it's it's great. It <laughs> I wasn't ready to tackle the Ukraine thing, so that's sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, sorry, okay. just throw no, no, that no, out good. there. You're absolutely correct though. I mean, I mean, it's we are we have so many socioeconomic issues in, in our own shores that we don't have the time or energy or resources to really explore team America world police again. Um, I, I think the biggest thing, the, the biggest takeaway from the 45th administration was America has no right to pretend to be the world police. We have no place to say we are the bastions of democracy. Yeah. And, like- and the world has known this for a very long time. All you have to do is look at South America, <laughs> but um we had like, we, we had done enough to keep our allies happy enough that we could still kind of wave that flag. 
And uh, we've burned so many bridges with our allies in the last 10 years that, no, sorry, uh, in the last 20 years. Because if we go back to Iraq and Afghanistan and the fact that we dragged everybody into that crap with us, uh, I think we've uh, this, the 21st century has really destroyed the American reputation. I will concur with that. Uh, it is, it has definitely, we have definitely gone out of our way to disprove the myth of American exceptionalism. Like we have done that ourselves. Absolutely. <laughs> and yet many of us will still believe it. We're the bestest country, number one in the America. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, that it's- is because we've had to say, we had to say the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, how many school, how many days are in the school year? All of them. 180. So multiply that by 13 years. You say it that many times. It, it, you know, they'll eventually for the majority of them, it will stick and they will have some kind of national pride. Sorry. I think it's 180. No, no, no. I think it's roughly roughly. It's just all of them. 1,700 times. No, 2,400 times. Mm-hmm. Said the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. You know, and in fourth grade for me, we had to recite the, the uh, We the People of the United States, the preamble. That really? was like a, that was the thing. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's interesting you bring it's up. Georgia. It's Georgia. Well, that's fair. Uh, it's interesting you bring up the Pledge of Allegiance because, uh, as we all know, the famous line, you know, one nation under God. Um. Under I've been God, saying it wrong. Well, under God wasn't added to the to the uh, to the to the to the speech until Pledge until, until the McCarthy yeah, the era. 50s. Yeah, so actually, it had nothing to do with McCarthy. Um, it has everything to do with the uh, the prosperity gospel, uh, the movement of God is capitalist that began in the twenties and thirties in this country. Uh, uh, proclamated so far it became so ingrained in the right of the political spectrum that they felt it was appropriate to include under god in the pledge of allegiance um is that when in god we trust ended up on the money yes same time frame same time absolutely and here i thought uh, it was because they thought that communists couldn't handle the money or their fingers would burn or some shit i don't know no i mean (laughs) that's hilarious and i love that idea I I wish that were the logic because that's better logic than why they did it. Uh, The reason they actually did it was because they wanted all forms of prosperity in America to be tied to faith in God. Therefore, you could only be prosperous through God and through your faith in God. And if you were not whole, if if you did not follow God's teachings, you could not prosper. I I have to say. There was this guy um, a long time ago, ancient philosopher. He um, he tossed money changers out of his temple, and then they crucified him. So yeah, 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 yeah. nice guy. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Spanish really... name, Spanish. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Jesus, I think. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. cool uh, guy. He <laughs> told everybody to be groovy with each other, and he was like super hippie communist. And you know, were, I have to say, they <laughs> this country did the best job separating the church and state. Really? Like, though? I, mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, we did a really. I mean, my favorite thing about where we are right now is we were strictly warned against exactly where we'd end up by a number of high-minded philosophical individuals. 
uh, those like George Washington, Karl Marx, Benjamin Franklin, uh, you know, all of all of the high-minded philosophical people of 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 the 1750s to the 1850s all kind of said, "Hey, we're creating a country to make sure these things don't happen. Take note, so we don't do it." And not to mention the countless women who were like, please don't set me on fire. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's more of a humanity, humanitarian thing, in my opinion, not necessarily a governmental structure thing. But Well, I mean, you don't have summary executions for people who are accused of witchcraft in a modern secular society. Well, correct. Yes. But... <laughs> but... I guess what I'm trying to get at is I don't I don't think there's a lot of correlation between the prosperity gospel and which is I don't know. Oh no, I was, we're talking <laughs> like separation of church and state. And like if no the, no no if... no. Uh, what I was trying to get at is like Washington warned us very specifically of of a two party state. Uh, uh, Jefferson recognized that an overbloated government would eventually eat itself. And I think he said something about corporations too. No, I don't believe he did, but that's fine. Uh... <laughs> Let me look it up. <laughs> no, no. If you want, if you want people preaching against corporations, just read the Communist Manifesto by Marx, who had three major points, and it's the third one that everyone forgets, which is that capitalism breeds a government of, for, and by corporations, and not of, for, and by the people. So here we are. Uh, those guys, 200, 300 years ago, they saw it coming, and they called it, and they told us, and we didn't listen because yeah. somebody said. And, and, you know, you can't have a civilized discussion about the philosophies of Marx in the United States because everyone immediately jumps to Stalin, which is a completely different guy. So I can, I can tell you that I have straight told people to their face, I am a Marxist. <laughs> nobody knows what it means. No, it means nobody you like knows. Groucho and Harpo and you, know, the, you they, walk around with the funny glasses. The they would have no clue. They know <laughs> communism. They know socialism, but if you say Marxist, they don't know what it means. And then I go on to say uh, uh, Marxism is a call to the people to create a governmental structure and an economic structure of, for, and by the people. And everyone goes, yeah, that sounds real good. And I'm like, you're right. It does. <laughs> it? it sounds great. Oops. Because that, literally, that that's sounds so that's familiar. Where have I heard that before? Oh yeah, Karl oh, Marx. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> uh, the, the only the only challenging thing I have uh, about the manifesto is he calls for the abolishment of private property. Uh, I understand why he calls for it. I understand the logic behind it. I also have no clue how that would be handled. <laughs> like, it's that's so messy. Uh, I, I his argument is generally private property as a means of wealth transfer uh you know like like generational wealth like uh car dealerships or uh inheritances and things like that and not necessarily the ability to create a private abode uh so it, it's a complicated issue but but i think yeah. generally speaking he was on the right track that and i mean that argument could definitely be made uh for like private companies real estate companies buying up houses to jack up the price of houses and Absolutely. all of a sudden actual people who need to live someplace can't afford a place to live 100 
I mean, I mean, I, I think I think we need some really core legislation. Uh, Single-family homes should only be able to be purchased by an individual. No corporation should be involved in that on any level anywhere. Exactly. Uh, Multi-family uh, housing should be available to be purchased by corporations mm-hmm. with rent controls in place based on average incomes in the area. I would also say that if someone wanted to have several houses and maybe have some rental properties, they ought to cap that. Like there ought to be a maximum number of houses that you can have and own and rent out to people. I, here's, here, here's what I would say. No single family home should be put up for rent. None. If you, because a single family home in America traditionally has been the primary method of wealth acquisition by everybody to move into the middle class. You must own a home. To grow wealth for your family for the next generation, you must own a home. If you do not have the ability to buy a house, you cannot economically grow in this country. That's just a fact. Uh, And it's why uh, so many people of color are so generationally poor because buying homes is, is disproportionately difficult for people of color in this country. So uh, all that, all that redlining and everything that we did back way back when, deliberately mm-hmm. set back generations of people for nothing other than their skin color. Mm-hmm. But I also think that there's something to say, you know, I can, I can agree mm. that single family homes should not be put up for rent, but it should also be easier to purchase a home. If somebody, you know, so somebody might not be able to afford $2,000 worth of rent for an apartment but they can afford a $750 mortgage payment. Sure. They, like there needs to be a restructuring of the amount of, you know, capital that you need in order to purchase a home. You should, you should be able to prove, Hey, I've paid my rent on time this many years. Right. Well, yeah, no, I, I, you I, know, I think, I think, you know, if, if you're going to require people to rent, your rent should have a say in your financial standing. You know, like that should count towards your credit score. It should count towards your, your, your financial well-being in this country. It should count mm. towards your ability to take out any form of major loan, including houses. Uh, I, there's, it's a massive scam, the, the system we have right now. And it's designed specifically so that if you are – just throughout my own personal professional experiences – I, I came to call it the treadmill. Renting is a treadmill. It, it, every year it goes a little bit faster. And every year you just kind of have to hustle a little bit harder to keep up. But because it keeps going just a little bit faster, it's a little bit harder to keep up. And eventually you run out of, of energy and you can't keep up anymore. And, you're, and, and the moment the system decides you're not worth renting to anymore, you're homeless. And that's it. There's, there's the the downward spiral that comes from losing your ability to rent a property is utterly devastating. And the ability to transfer from rental to purchasing right now is basically zero. And here's an interesting uh, fact about housing values at the moment. Um, even adjusted for inflation, houses cost about twice as much as they should. That and. And considering in order to buy a home, you have to have a certain amount saved up for a down payment. 
And how unrealistic is it if you're paying $2,000 a month on rent that you would be able to save enough eventually for a down payment on a house? It'll take you a hundred years. Exactly. By the time you've saved to buy that house, your family now has to use that money for your funeral. Yep. Well, I mean, I mean, and God forbid you own a car, have a medical expense, want to take a vacation, want to eat something other than bread and cheese, Right. Like, uh, I was talking to my parents a while ago. You need to cut back on avocado toast and lattes, what you got to do. Can't have Starbucks every (laughs) week. Do you drink coffee every day? Well, you got to cut back on the coffee every day. Uh, My favorite. I I I make my coffee from home. Well, I remember I went to go try to buy. You stopped buying groceries. I'm going to go try to buy a car one time. And the guy was like, he gave me the rigmarole. Do you do this? Do you do that? Do you do this other thing? And I'm like, no, I don't do any of that. He's like, well, why can't you afford this car? Because I don't get paid enough, dipshit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I only make so much money. And this was well before like the rental crisis thing happened. Uh, but like, even then, I was like, I only make so much money, and I can only afford so many bills. And a car just wasn't in the books as much as I wanted it to be. Uh, and it's it's not really gotten any better, frankly. Like, uh, I asked my parents a long time ago. You know, hey, when you were growing up. What were you told was a healthy ratio of gross <laughs> income to housing costs, right? Like, like how much of your monthly income needed to go to your housing? They said one quarter. One quarter. I know our generation was told a third. Why did yeah, you know? three, yeah Why did you, you have to make three times rent in order to qualify. In no. reality, it's actually like, you know, a fifth. Or uh, no, I'm sorry, half. There we go. Yeah, it's like, like in reality, on, it's like half of your. Yeah, we're knocking on half. And and your roommate has the other half. <laughs> no, that's mm-hmm. it. That's exactly it. Like, like no, but we're not talking half of the rent. We're talking half of your income. So if you're so so, we're expecting people who make gross like be- like before you take out your taxes or anything, twenty five hundred dollars a month to pay a thousand dollars for rent. Yeah, that is insane on every level and it is yeah. absolutely unsustainable and, and that's the point and what i meant was because rent is two thousand a month no, you pay a thousand and your roommate pays a oh, thousand it's not right. so much that your roommate pays half your rent but, but this like is how, this is how you end up with with four 35 year olds in a two-bedroom apartment exactly and then all of a sudden oklahoma is like that's illegal <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> It's a nightmare. it's promoting gay lifestyle like no it's monogamy a- in this economy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a thruple just to afford rent, motherfucker. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, it, everything's terrible, and it's all falling apart, and and that's the point. The point is. Capitalism is designed to grind us into dust until we fall apart and can't keep up. And then we're cast aside for the next generation to do the same. And it's just, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, how are, how, because our generation now is the generation that is, you know, some of, some of us are producing children Mm -hmm. and raising children how is it possible for us to give them a good example of how to, 
you know, smartly manage your money when they are seeing their parents managing their money the best way that they can, but still not, you know, just barely making ends meet. How is that? How- there is no way. What you what you do is you encourage your children to overthrow capitalism. <laughs> right. I mean, no, like the only way, like, the only way to teach your child how to manage their money effectively is to give them a $300,000 stipend for college. That's no, it. you need to give them a million dollar stipend to start their own business. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how do you make a million dollars? You take out a loan for two. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, like for real, the only way to start, this is to start in this world and maintain in this in this structure of economy is to start with money. If you're not given cash money to start, you've got nothing. And and I fully recognize that I am where I am today because my parents bought me a car. When I when I moved down here, they bought me a car. They spent 10 grand in a car for me. That's crazy. But that allowed me to do what I've done with my life. If I did not have a car when I came down here to Orlando to get started, everything would have been 10 times harder. I have no idea where I'd be right now, but it wouldn't be here. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, like I, my parents have done more for me in the 46 years I've been alive. And the, you know, I can't math uh, <laughs> years that I've been an adult. Like there is no way on earth without their damn near constant, constant support that I wouldn't be homeless. Right, like a right. million times over, I'd be dead on the street. And, I know and it for a fact. But what's crazy to me is it's your parents' generation, my parents' generation, who have had to actively financially support their offspring through their adulthood that still look at it and go, nah, capitalism's the way. We can't have socialism. <laughs> that and, you know, Idiots, and, and, you, and they blame our avocado toast younger. for the reason that we can't get ahead and have the right. same economic prosperity that they enjoy. Right. They, they all <laughs> just happen to be lucky enough to come to the age of maturity in the 80s. Like, like generally- my parents... My parents spent less on their house than you could buy a Pontiac Vibe for in 2005. What? My parents spent like $20,000 on their a house on a house because they bought it back in the 70s. Oh, yeah. They bought it in the 70s. It was like $20,000 and like 20,000 like 2005 a Pontiac Vibe costs twenty two thousand dollars. <laughs> I'm going to do some some inflation calculations here. I'm going to say 19, 1975, 1970. Uh, yeah, it was nineteen seventy. Say say nineteen seventy two. All right, I'm just going with nineteen seventy five. Yeah, so like 20, it was a it was like a thousand two hundred square feet on an acre of land. So it's like okay. So if you bought okay twenty thousand dollars in nineteen seventy five gets you one hundred and ten thousand dollars today. Could you imagine buying any house in Central Florida on an acre for a hundred grand? No, no. You could you could buy a closet. Right. Yeah, you could. You could. It depends on the closet. If it's a walking closet, that's going to be way out of your range. Right. Like like, that's where we're at. And like I said before. (laughs) Houses right now, even adjusted for inflation, are 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 double what they should actually be worth. And if you include uh, uh, 
equity in this home, right? If you add value to it, just based on the way the market works, fair fair market value today is probably two hundred thousand dollars, right? So that's a that's a one hundred percent profit <laughs> in doing nothing but staying in the same home. That's wild. Uh, but also, that is the mechanism. That's, that's the mechanism I was talking about. That mechanism of equity in your home being the way in which you you grow wealth, because that that money that your house is now worth is money you can pocket. That is an asset that no that you do not have a way to get in any other methodology in this country. Uh, uh, my my boss at work talks about the stock market every day. Mm-hmm. And I asked, and I, it was a very small office, but I, asked, I was like, all right, cool. How many people here own stock? Nobody. I'm like, cool. So the stock market doesn't mean anything to us. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, it means nothing. Uh, you know, but, but by the same token, you've got people like Elon Musk freaking out about, well, we know we need to cut back costs, increase prices, eliminate people. There's a recession coming, yada, yada. Who then turns around and gets hit with a $200 billion lawsuit for manipulating the value of cryptocurrency (laughs) specifically dogecoin dogecoin Dogecoin. yeah yeah it's spelled dogecoin (laughs) d-o-g-e it's doge because the internet's crazy Mm. um no it's it's wild so but we've talked about this before it's it's the reason why we always recommend it against crypto there's Mm -hmm. no there's no oversight to it there's no regulation to it it was all being pumped and dumped uh, uh, Bitcoin. Bitcoin's biggest rise in value was because two buyers kept selling back and forth to each other at equal value. They 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 didn't change any money on it. They would just ch- transfer ownership over and over and over again. And what that did was it showed increased in trading uh, volume. Volume. Yeah. Oh, lots of people are buying crypto, so it's got. Vol- yeah, the volatility goes up and the value yeah, goes so, up. So the price goes up, and then every the bottom fell out of everything. Everything in this past month. It's it's wild. Uh, it's a good thing, I think, because uh, we need to be looking at how to use the, uh, uh, the 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 encryption that goes with Bitcoin as a tool instead of an economic vehicle. And, yeah. and I think we're getting there because it's starting. NFTs are falling apart. Crypto is falling apart. We're finally getting to the point where it has value outside of money. I and will. I will say. I don't know if it's causality or uh, correlation or, or causation. Yeah, but uh, the price of Bitcoin and the S and P five hundred match for the most really? part. Like really? if you look, if you look at the rises and fall and the falls of cryptocurrency, at least within the last uh, couple years, like yeah. they can they they mirror each other. So if you like it, it like it, it over it, it overlaps. So basically, okay, if there's a different. I found a chart yeah. here uh, that that details October 2017 to March of 2018. Uh, I can see where they do get similar. Um, overall, like if you if you this take is, this is the one you're talking about. This is the one you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, it, they they're talking about uh, trade volume specifically. Oh no, I'm talking about okay. So I'm not I'm not talking about like actual value, but like if you look at a at the trends, yeah. Yeah, like if you overlay them on top of each other, like whenever the S and P is down, Bitcoin is also down. Whenever the S and P is up, Bitcoin is also up. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if there is a link to that, if there's any reasoning behind that, but it's possible <laughs> that 
Bitcoin is only down because the S&P has been down since the beginning of the year. I would argue like, it's because Bitcoin, uh, all cryptocurrencies are being used as a way to, for billionaires to launder their money. Which is also a possibility. <laughs> I'm just saying that that is, that is po- also yeah, no, possibly why they're that, down. That's a fascinating trend. I will absolutely yeah. include that in the show notes because I, I didn't okay. know that. That's wild. Uh, that correlation is far too strong mm-hmm. uh, to be ignored. It is statistically valid. Uh, it is not causation, certainly not, yeah. but it's correlated. Uh, it, it's it's wild. Um, I wonder if it's just because that. like the investors in the S&P are invested in crypto as well, and they're making the same decisions, or if, like it, you would think because, that it would be it's an... It's because in- it's the same group of people. It's the same yeah. minds making the same decisions at the same time. Yeah. You would think that it would be an, an inverse correlation if they considered crypto as an alternative where it's like they're dumping out of stocks and they're buying crypto instead, then it would be inverted, but it's not. Right. No, it's, uh, yeah. All, all of this is, is again, the stocks don't represent the economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, inflation is a better, inflation and uh, interest rates are a better indicator of where the economy stands. Yeah. And those are insane right now. Uh, so those are also not accurate anymore. Um Everything's falling apart. All of our normal metrics are broken because people have learned how to manipulate them. Yeah. If you look at, uh, people keep going back to GameStop because it's just the, the most easily t- easy to identify market open market manipulation by mm-hmm. large hedge funds, specifically to, to designed to screw you and me who may invest in stock. Uh, uh, in the same way that we feel our votes don't matter, our stock purchases also don't matter. <laughs> it's crazy like yeah like there is there is a there is stock market manipulation specifically like if uh to like they have spikes and dips in the price action on any given stock specifically to trigger stop losses for like small time investors so if you have a small portfolio and you're like okay i can only afford to take this much loss and i have to bail Larger investors know that, and they want to shake you out of the market. So they will purposefully tank the price of the stock yep. so that it triggers your stop loss mm-hmm. and you have, to, you have to bail, you have to cut out, and you end up losing money, but then they just buy the dip and they write it back up because they know it's going to go back up they because they're the, the ones controlling they, the price of the stock. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're, they're, they're buying into what they created in the first place. So- now we have a now we have a world where we all grew up being told go to college, get the degree, get the job, buy the house, invest smartly, and you'll be fine. And none of those vehicles work. College is a is a financial deficit, not a not a not a potential increaser. Houses are impossible to purchase because they're astronomically overpriced, and stocks don't work. Well, so not only that, but like. I mean, I know that stocks have certainly taken a dip over the last year, but they've been steadily increasing over the last several years, and they're way overvalued. So I'm getting into at this- it right now, the growth from 2008 through 2020, 20, November 2021, sorry, 2008 to November 2021, absolutely staggering. That we've never seen that level of growth anywhere in the history of the market. It is bizarre. It is unprecedented, and it is not organic. Uh, these these are unsustainable. 
Well, a lot of it is like when, say, for example, when the pandemic hit or when um, in the when there when we had to do the bailouts in 2008. So we gave we infused tons of cash into the system. And instead of taking that stimulus money and investing in their company by hiring more people, which putting people back to work would have been the more stable way to grow the economy, especially when so many people were out of work. Yep. Instead, what they did was bought back their own stock so that the price of their stock would go up, whether it was worth the, worth the price or not. And they did that in, uh, during the pandemic as well. Like over every time and over again. Yep. Uh, all because, because again, right. And this is, I have to keep reminding people of this. It's very important to remember if you as a company have stock that can be purchased by the public, you are legally required to maximize the value of the stock before any other business validation. You have to, which means if you have stock as a company, you're evil. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And I recognize that stocks are meant to be a way to increase cash flow for your business. It's broken. The, the laws around it are broken, and they were written by evil people knowing fully well what they were doing. On that positive note, I would like to switch it to Well Done's. <laughs> uh, uh, artist, I know you already mentioned the one about Alabama. Uh, Thespian, I saw you shaking your head. Did you have something you wanted to start with? I did. Um, well done to Jennifer Hudson, um, who just won a Tony Um for uh, being a producer on a show called uh, A Strange Loop. Um, so she is now the second black woman, literally only the third black person to uh, uh, to hold the EGOT. Um, oh, very cool. Uh, awards. Uh, so EGOT, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. That's fantastic. And so now... Yeah, so she's right behind um, Whoopi Goldberg was the was the first black woman, but uh, Jennifer Hudson, second black woman. Um, there are only um, seventeen people who have ever won. Done. Yeah, yeah, who've ever done that? Hell of a club to be in. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, yes, yeah, so well done to uh, Jennifer Hudson for winning a Tony at the seventy fifth uh, Tony Awards. Uh, artist, it looks like you're you're desperately searching for something. Did you have one? Uh, I will say I just found one. Vince McMahon, husband of a former Trump official, official steps down amid WWE misconduct probe. Oh, he stepped down. Yes, he stepped down, but they he, he handed it over to his daughter. Yeah, of course. Nepotism. Nepotism for the win. Did she come after him with a metal chair to make it uh, make it official? Maybe, probably, <laughs> probably the so. top rope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, I already mentioned Elon Musk being sued for $258 billion over a Dogecoin pyramid scheme. That's hilarious. Uh, let's see here. Here's one. Uh, the city of Tokyo has passed a law to officially recognize same-sex partners. Well done, Tokyo. That's that's fantastic. Uh, let's see here. There's not much more to that. That was pretty straightforward. Um, oh, oh, here we go. Uh, 
students at a university recently protested against their anti LGBTQ president by handing him pride flags at their graduation. I love it. Yes, I saw that. That was a beautiful. That was a thing of beauty. So many of them handed him a small pride flag with every single giving of a diploma. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, what? Let me see if I can get the details on this one because it is brilliant. Um, Seattle Pacific University had an interim president and they were all handing the interim president rainbow flags uh, during their commencement ceremony instead of shaking his hand. <laughs> 50 different students did so. That is phenomenal. Well done to all of you for showing that stuck up bigot just how wrong he really is. Absolutely incredible. Oh, I have I would... a... oh yeah, go ahead, artist. Okay. Uh, I would like to say a well done to the, I don't know who it was that called it in, but um, the guy that caused the police to arrest all of the um, the right wing uh, folks that were planning on crashing the pride parade in Idaho. Yeah, there was a, what's, what's the name of the damn group? Um, I had it. Ah. I'm pulling up right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, Patriot Front. Pa- yeah. Some, there 30, was some bullshit like members that. members of Patriot Front were found hiding in the back of a U-Haul. And like they were, they were planning on like, uh, you know, crashing the Pride Parade, but somebody called it in and was like, there's like a small army living in the back of a U-Haul or something. And so like the cops knocked on the door hysterical i love you know it. and it's like it. so like they're all on the road like on the on the side on the grass like with the zip ties and somebody's like videotaping them like ha, losers there's <laughs> there's a, a great quote from the county sheriff bob norris who says quote it appears these people did not come here to engage in peaceful events <laughs> oh you think <laughs> <laughs> That is a, a hell of an understatement, sir. Well done. Um, uh, I got another quick one here. The state of Virginia has joined 20 other states in banning ticket quotas for traffic police. Oh, thank goodness. So well done to Virginia for making things slightly less terrible. Uh, I have one. I have, uh, uh, there. It, this is a story I don't know. Um, I, I caught it on uh, Facebook recently. So I'm not, it's, it started during the pandemic. Um, but there was in Massachusetts, there was a group of five moms that got together to, uh, to kind of blow off some steam and they formed a band. Um, and they, you know, initially started doing covers and stuff, but they've evolved and started writing their own music. And, um, they've joined some, uh, rock festivals and stuff like that. So, uh, just, I just thought that that was a really fun, heartwarming, um, story. Uh, so, uh, well done to the lazy Susans. Very good. Very on having good. a fun name. That's uh, awesome. yeah. So that was, yeah. Uh, oh, I guess they were recently featured on a na- national television talk show. Oh, fun. So, yeah. Great. Uh, I think that is a great way to end this show because it's been a bit of a downer and I'd love to end on a high note. So uh, for the revolutionary who is not here this week, uh, I am the comrade. I am the thespian. And I'm the artist. Uh, We'll be back probably next week with a similar format. 
the revolutionary will be traveling for a while. So until then, stay fresh, cheese bags. Hey, Max, how you doing? You joined us right here at the end, but that's all right. We'll hang out for a minute. Uh, yeah, the artist is in space, specifically in what ship? Uh, I am on the USS. I have no idea. <laughs> I named it myself. It's a great name for a ship. I don't think I'd fly on that ship. That's all right, though. Uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been a hell of a week. Oh, I forgot to mention the Tesla recall possible. After all, their autopilot software has been terrible. Uh, Ginny Thomas, the wife of the Supreme Court Justice, has been invited to testify. Yep, yep. Wait, invited to invited. testify? She was not subpoenaed. She was invited to testify. To which she, so they, uh, like they for or against to... herself? Right. Well, so <laughs> her answer was she would be happy to clarify any misunderstandings. So yeah. I so, like, uh, I remember I saw the video where they were asking the um the head of the January sixth commission. It's like, uh she just responded like she said she'd be happy to talk to you and like he was in the hearing when she responded so he missed it because he was busy with the hearing itself so now he knows yeah uh there's i mean there's a lot of calls for uh uh, i think it's clarence thomas uh he's been asked to resign uh he won't (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, that's the other one. His, not only did his wife exchange text messages in support of the uh, the incursion on the 6th of January, she also emailed back and forth with John Eastman. She also... emails! She also definitely contacted several, like, state officials and oh, uh, yeah. and pressured them yeah, on behalf of... Secretaries of State, I believe. Yeah. A few of them, some governors. Yeah, just, just absolute shit show. <sighs> But uh, do we have titles this week? Oh, yeah, we didn't. We didn't write many down here. So uh, I'll just give you a quick rundown of the ones we got. We got um, points unknown, smallest handprint, <laughs> good taste in boots. Hey Siri, because that was hysterical. <laughs> uh, uh, Lindsay's pool boy. <laughs> the lesser evil and thruples for rent. <laughs> i like Lindsay's pool boy Lindsay's pool boy is very good i also like good taste in boots uh because mm-hmm. that was that was that was before you were on the show i believe no i heard that oh you were on here for that one yeah that was very good mm-hmm. uh thruples for rent i think is just funny uh, and then yeah, smallest handprint's kind of okay. Yeah, I'll go with smallest handprints, but we didn't have any options here. Unfortunately, when I'm in charge of the show, it's well, it's way too sober. I think I need to just get a little bit drunk before we do this. <laughs> just gotta have it go off the rails. But, Next uh, week. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, That's what we get so, for having civil discourse. We need to be yeah. angrier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, we had no hot takes at all. <laughs> we need more <laughs> hot takes. Uh, it's okay though. Well, Canadian was. You know, not feeling too good. True, yeah. If the Canadian news here, we'd have some hot takes, that's for sure. Because he, he loves to get up, you know, get the blood pressure rising before he gets into things. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, so I think this week's episode definitely is Lindsay's pool boy uh, with the good yeah. taste in boots as a close second. <laughs> so works. Huh? 
that it works both. Oh yeah, it works very yeah. well. Yes, absolutely. I think good Lindsay's taste in boy. boots. Lindsay's pool boy. That also <laughs> right. works. Yeah, right. Yeah. Call it Lindsay's pool boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, I like the idea that somebody's going to listen and go, "Who's who's Lindsay?" Oh, that one. Obviously, come on. Right. right. So do I'll not get, know who we are. I'll get to work and getting all this crap taken care of, and uh, I think we're going to end it there. Facebook. Uh, Max, thanks for ch- uh, hopping in and saying hi. It's good to see you. Um, sorry, sorry you missed us for most of it, but that's okay. Uh, we're gonna get, as you know, we're. Oh, I didn't do all the all, all the outro crap. It's fine. No, he doesn't do them either. Oh well, well I guess you didn't say on Facebook. Find us on this. Find, find us on, on that. It's whatever. Well, I mean, he he stopped listing all of the places, but we did not say find us. They know, you know. It's they know. You found us. Congratulations, you Hold found on, us. Facebook, Spotify, anyway. Apple Podcasts, Podcasts, uh, the One Man Revolution dot org. Not or, uh, we're not recording. I don't know. The only people that heard you say that are the people that are already here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Facebook. Thanks so much for uh, stopping by. Thanks for listening in. As always. Drop us a comment. If you're watching the show, leave us a comment here. We'll get to it. We'd love to answer questions. We'd love to include you in the conversation mm-hmm. as often as we can. Uh, it's more fun because we like to get a couple of different viewpoints. And and questions are good. A lot of people, I find, you know, I talk to a lot of people. They don't like to engage in these conversations because they don't, they don't feel that they know anything. That's okay. If there's something you're concerned about or confused about or would like to know more about, ask a question. Odds are we'll know somebody who can answer for you. And generally, we don't know anything either. Oh, yeah, no, we just read headlines. <laughs> yeah, we're all making this shit up anyway. <laughs> Out of a hat. We don't know anything yeah. at all. It's fine. Uh, that's why it's a comedy podcast and not a uh, not a talking heads uh, day. I get my news in space, so I, I, there's always a degree of distance. So. In space. <laughs> yeah. God. All right, friends, I'm going to end the stream here. Uh, okay. Y'all have a good night.